welcome to the Carnivore Yogi Podcast, where I stay meat-based but dogma-free, where I encourage you to step outside of the echo chamber you might currently be standing in and listen to differing opinions from doctors, nutritionists, experts, and more, as well as regular people. There's no one-size-fits-all approach to health, and in this podcast, I really want to get to the bottom of why people are still having health problems, even after trying so many different interventions. There are guiding principles, but there are also things that you might be missing. So my hope is to continue to introduce you to new ideas that will help you achieve long-term health. I'll also be experimenting on myself continually and sharing the results of those in some solo episodes. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome, welcome, you guys. This is episode two of the Carnivore Yogi podcast. My name is Sarah, and I'm so excited to have you here as well as present this conversation to you. This episode is about fasting, and I know a lot of you guys may be a little surprised to hear that I interviewed Dr. Mindy Pels, who is an expert on metabolic health, but really specializes in fasting and fasting for women. And this conversation was not just about women of reproductive age, but we went into perimenopause as well as menopause. We also talked about supplements, which ones could be harmful or dangerous, how to pick the right ones, mineral deficiencies, and even cold therapy. We also talked about stress and the effect that it has on our bodies and just women's hormones, hormones in general, and how we need to approach fasting a little bit differently in order to get the maximum benefit and not have some of the issues like I have had in the past. So it was a really cool conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it. I will link all of her information in the show notes below this episode. So thank you again for tuning in. Today's episode is sponsored by Thrive. You can go to www.thrive.com backslash carnivore yogi to get 50% off of a gut microbiome test. Now they're still running this 50% off as of this recording date, January 2021. I'm not sure how much longer they're going to be running that, but I did just order another kit. I am still testing the gut microbiome. And next week, you're going to want to make sure you're subscribed. I have an amazing conversation with Kiri and Krishnan from Microbiome Labs. We're really going to dive deep into my gut microbiome test results where we saw that the bacteria in my gut was actually causing me to hold on to weight to making me maintaining my weight a very difficult struggle. So knowing your gut health and what is going on in your gut microbiome can be extremely empowering and can help you to kind of take the next steps for your health. So if you want to go ahead and take advantage of that 50% off of that gut microbiome test, you'll use my link. It is www.trythrive.com backslash carnivore yogi thrive is spelled T-H-R-Y-V-E. And that will also be linked in those show notes. Thank you again for tuning in and enjoy the show. Thrilled to have my guest on today, Dr. Mindy Pels. Um, you know, some of you guys may be surprised to see, <laughs> to see this chat because of my experience with fasting, but she, mm. because of she's such an awesome doctor who's open-minded and really wants to help people, she's agreed to kind of come on my show and talk with me a bit about um, troubleshooting fasting. And, and so thank you for, thank you for agreeing to that, Dr. Pels. Yeah. I really appreciate it. No, I appreciate you having me on because I it's like a conversation we need to keep having with women because we we live in a world where when it comes to nutrition, we love absolutes. Mm -hmm. So we love carnivore is my thing. Carnivore isn't my thing. Fasting's my thing. Fasting isn't my thing. But if you look at a woman's hormonal cycle, we are our hormones are going up and down and all around in a 20 in a 28 to 30 day period. And we can use principles from a lot of different fasts, a lot of different eating styles to our, our hormonal advantage. And that's the conversation that women need to be having. I totally agree. And, you know, I've watched so many of your videos. They're easy to binge watch though. <laughs> if oh, you guys awesome. are not following her already, make sure you go to her channel. I'll, I'll link it below this video, but you know, I go and binge watch some of your videos because you're not this dogmatic, you know, everyone needs to do it this way, but you actually do talk about how women should fast differently and how fasting really correlates, you know, when you do it and when you should maybe stay away from it or, or change the way that you do it in correlation to different, you know, 
places where you are in your cycle. I think that that's so fascinating. And then I've heard you talk about mineral deficiencies and uh, being mindful about fasting with those. So yeah, I'd love to dive into (laughs) to some of those, those topics. Um, I guess just right off the bat, you know, how fasting for women is, should be a little different than fasting for men. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So let's start with the, like, sir, what, what I call the beginning of the story. And the beginning of the story is that when we come to fasting men or women, um, but especially women, we really should look at three different things. One, we need to vary our fasts. Two, we need to vary our foods. And we can talk about that. And I'll, and I'll, I'll t- tell you my, my opinions on carnivore and what we're yeah. seeing in our community. Um, and three, and this one really relates to women, I think more than men because of how we're hormonally designed. We do really well in community. When we mm. do health in community, we actually balance our hormones it, because we were meant with the with the spikes in estrogen. We're meant to have uh, connections with other people, and when we get these connections with other people, we raise a hormone called oxytocin. And when oxytocin goes up, then it helps to regulate cortisol and regulate insulin, and then that regulates our sex hormones. So I keep you know the beginning of the story is if you're going to fast, you have to keep, as a woman, you've got to keep those three things in mind. You're going to have to vary your fast. You're going to want to look at varying your foods and you're going to want to look at how can you do it in community. Mm -hmm. So, and that might be something as simple as you and your best friend go on like a, you know, a fast together. We do fast training week on my YouTube channel for that exact reason. So there's a place people can come together once a month and do it in community. So the second part of the story is okay, varying your fasts. And this is where what is like women have to know. And I do not understand why we're not talking about it. So that's why I appreciate the opportunity to come talk about it. So let's look at your cycle in a, let's just, we're just gonna use 28 days as an example. I know some people have 25, some women have 35, but I'm just gonna put 28 as, as, a, as a marker. In a 28-day period, the first part of your cycle, like day one until you ovulate, which is usually about day 10, 12, again, every woman's different, but in that first part of your cycle, you actually were born to fast there. So if you want to intermittent fast, you want to try a 24-hour fast, you want to try a water fast, your body will do really well once your cycle starts all the way until you ovulate. And the reason for that is the major hormone you are trying to influence at that time is estrogen. And estrogen needs you to be insulin sensitive. Mm. And nothing will make you more insulin sensitive than fasting. And if you pair that with like carnivore, you put those two together, like phenomenal. You're going to go into your ovulation period with plenty of estrogen. Once you're ovulating, like day 10 to day 15, I actually don't think the longer fasts serve you. At that point, you've got big surges of estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. And so in that time period, you, you know, you can do some intermittent fasting, but uh, again, carnivore would be great there. Um, I'm a fan of what I call ketobiotic, really leaning into more polyphenol foods. And um, I'm not necessarily looking for fibery foods, but I'm looking for like the um, more of like the olives and uh, raw nuts, uh, raw seeds, those kind of things will really help um, with making sure that your, your microbiome's in good shape. So, and then you can do a lot of protein during that phase because you got testosterone coming to you in spades. So it'll, it'll do well in that phase too. Once you come out of ovulation, then you can fast again. There's about a five-day window. You can fast again, deep fast. And then here's the clincher. At, and this might've been what happened to you. Day 19, you got to stop fasting. Like 19 until you bleed again, your body needs to make uh, uh, progesterone. progesterone. And if you are too in too much of a cortisol stimulating phase, which some longer fast, or if you're new to fasting, you're getting a cortisol boost. Um, you don't want that because d- there's a there's a, a nutrient called DHEA. 
And mm -hmm. DHEA will make cortisol, it will make progesterone, and it'll make testosterone. So if you're in a three-day water fast and it's day 20 of your cycle, you're telling your DHEA, just make cortisol, just make cortisol, mm. won't have any left to make progesterone. So now somebody who's come from the standard American diet, they may go into intermittent fasting during this phase, which is a cortisol spiking experience. And then in that moment, they won't make uh, progesterone. So the real warning times are the ovulation period and this time when you need to make progesterone. Every other time you can fast and have fun with it and get yourself nice and insulin sensitive, but you, it's a sand trap for women in those two times. Yeah. And that's not being talked about at all. That's why I started watching your videos. Cause I was like, Oh, wait a second. Because when I was fasting, it was just, we just do it all the time. You right. know, if we intermittent fast every day or we extended fast whenever we want to, whenever we're feeling like it. And there's not really any discussion at all about hormonally what that does and the, the cortisol, um, you know, and my, my question is someone that has, you know, kind of more chronic stress in their life that has, they may be their body already producing a good amount of cortisol from stress Would that person probably need to be a bit more cautious around fasting yes. also. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, again, you'll be fine in the first half. Once you start to actually bleed in the first half of your cycle, if life is stressful and you decide to put in some cortisol, uh, some fasting, experiences that create stress, it's not, that won't be as much of a problem there. But once we get to ovulation and we get to where you're trying to make progesterone, yes, that's where the problem yeah. exists. The, a question I get a lot is, well, what if I'm adrenal fatigued? I've been mm -hmm. under stress for so long. What if I'm adrenal fatigued? The stress we have to, we have to uh, really separate out that there are different types of stressors. Mm -hmm. There is your constant never ending stress and then there's what we call a hormetic stress. Mm -hmm. And a hormetic stress is where you're just putting enough stress on the cells that it forces them to repair. And the, the example I use with this is when we all went into the pandemic back in mm. March, 2020, we all got a little hormetic stress where we had to like reevaluate our lives because we had to stay home. But in that, we learned some cool things. I mean, I'll say for my own self, like I, we started, my husband and I started working on our garden and it was, I was kind of enjoying the slower pace. But then when it went on and on and on and on, now it's not a beneficial stress anymore. Yeah. It, so, so that's the thing to know if you already have a ton of stress and then you add a hormetic stress, that's not good. Yeah. I think that's important for people to also, you know, and I see people do it with uh, people who are attracted to my channel and me, they tend to be a lot like me. I'm kind of running some private groups now and people that are awesome. in my groups, I'm like, Oh Lord, I've just attracted a hundred of me because <laughs> <laughs> they don't that's know so how to do anything. To <laughs> they don't know how to do anything halfway. You know, they're, yeah. they are doing, you know, if, if one day is good, 30 days must be great, you know, yep. and it's, I've learned the hard way on so many things, especially with fasting is like 30 days is not the best thing for you to do. And you have to be mindful of that. And I see people do it with cold therapy and I had an ex. Yeah, no, this is funny. Cause I I've been wondering, I've been saying this, like all these people with cold therapy, I'm like, are they timing it to their cycles? This doesn't right. make sense. So, okay, go ahead. Cause you're the first person I've talked to about this. Yeah. I was doing too much cold therapy because like I said, if a little is good, then a lot must be great. And I had a cold vest, which is awesome. I was having great, you know, I had a, a CGM on, I was seeing my blood sugar lower. I was feeling really good but I was wearing this thing every single day and doing cold showers. And then I ended up getting a, re and this was about a year ago. I got a really nasty cold and was just on my back for, I just got a virus. and was knocked out for two weeks and it was directly, my, my immune system was probably already a little lower because of time of year and everything. But like I directly correlated all the extra cold therapy to my body, just saying no more, <laughs> no yep. more of this, you know? Yep. Yeah. Um, so that's another thing we're not talking about with like the cold therapy. It's a yep. stress, you know, yep. we have to be, we don't necessarily need to do it every single day, you know, yeah. it yeah. would be fine in the first part of your cycle. Okay. But not at ovulation or when you need to make progesterone because oh, so you, you can get away. And actually one of my favorite hormone specialists that, um, I encourage everybody to go follow on Instagram is Dr. Carrie Jones. 
She's the medical director of the Dutch test. And we do thousands of Dutch tests in our office. And so we get to see the trends. And so she and I were, were talking specifically about how that first part of your cycle, you actually want stressors. Mm. So you, that, this is why the longer fasts work, because if you need these hormetic stressors to make the, the cells more insulin sensitive, to mm. wake those cells up and get them to repair themselves. And so cold plunging, phenomenal then. But if you're doing it when you're trying to make progesterone in the mm-hmm. back half of your cycle, you're going to tank, you're going to tank progesterone. So, but nobody's talking about that. No, <laughs> no I'm so happy just... you thought about that because that's <laughs> something I've been like, why I'm watching on, on social media, all these women jump in ice baths and I'm like, okay, wait, we need to pause and go, is this right for our hormones? Just because a bunch of men are jumping in right. doesn't mean that it's right for us to jump in. Yeah. I think it's uh, Dr. Stacy Sims that she always says women are not small men. Yes. And you know, the carnivore space is largely men, you know, and I've had them on my show, Dr. Barry and Dr. Baker and Dr. Saladino. They've all been on my show. I all know them. Um, But they're the, the ones that people are really looking to, to understand how to do this diet. And I'm like, you know, I've kind of come out as like the high fat person who says, you know, if you're going to do this, it's for women I've seen, it's more important for you guys to be in a deeper state of ketosis if you're not going to have the carbs. Um, yep. And that I'm seeing a lot of women run into hormonal issues if they're running too much gluconeogenesis. And, you know, I'm, people are getting kind of pissed off about it because I'm saying this and I'm like, well, you know, men, I feel like they can get away with running a bit more gluconeogenesis than women can um, just because of my own personal experience. But yeah, it's, it's important that we always look at that hormonal aspect as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, that I love Ken Berry. I love, we just had Paul, uh, on our resetter group this week. Like these are, um, really, um, intelligent, thoughtful men that are bringing really great discussions to the carnivore diet. Um, and we need to always put it through the lens of our hormones. Men do not need to put it through the lens of their hormones, but women, any diet, any fast, any exercise, any new lifestyle, we need to pick up our hormonal lens and like, look Mm -hmm. at it differently. And there's just not enough experts out there doing that. There's not, there's not at all. And I've, you know, I've been a big proponent of just high fat. I think for women, especially for me, I can tell a difference during ovulation and during the week before my cycle, if I don't do super high fat, I feel terrible and my symptoms are worse. And then my cycles are just horrible to deal with. And so that's just one message I've put out there for women. I'm like, you know, you may be able to get away with this stuff at other parts of the cycle, but if you're not pushing the fat up a little bit higher during those specific times a month, you could run into some issues. So yeah. 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 Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the uh, you had to talk about mineral deficiencies and fasting of how before you really start to do a lot of fasting, you need to know the status of your minerals. And um, could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So this is, there's a big story to the mineral story that it really applies to both men and women. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we'll bring it down to women just so we can make sure that we keep it topical. But here's what you have to realize is that the food you're eating today has less mineral content in it than the foods you ate 20, 30 years ago. And the reason for that is because our soils are so depleted. And so there's something called monocropping where the way that we are farming today is we put one uh, crop on a piece of land. We till that crop over and over and over again. We spray it with glyphosate, uh, kill all the insects. And we've been doing this for so many years that that soil is now depleted. So one of the things that really fascinated me in doing fasting with so many people is that all of a sudden I started to notice as we were taking my resetters through these these five-day fasting experiences once a month, that their hair was falling out Mm -hmm. or they would get like heart palpitations. And we were trying to brainstorm, how can we help these people? This was both men and women. And we started to have them put minerals back in. 
And the minute they put minerals back in, either during their fast or the weeks before their fast, the hair stopped falling out, the heart mm. palpita palpitations stopped, the leg cramping, um, the trouble sleeping during a fast, all of that went away. Mm. And then we like traced it back to, like I literally stood back. This is after we've been fasting with our community for four or five years. And so every month we're seeing hundreds of thousands of testimonials. So I stood back and I was like, why is this happening to everybody? Mm -hmm. And the only, and it mostly Americans, because the way that we grow food in other countries is different, but it all comes back to this, our soils. So what I've come up with the uh, now in my brain is I feel like the, you're already just assume you're mineral deficient. <laughs> like yeah. there's a very good chance, especially if you live in America and if you're not eating organic for sure, if you, if you're not buying from a regenerative farmer for mm -hmm. sure. So just assume you're mineral deficient. And when you start to build yourself a fasting lifestyle, whether it's intermittent fasting or you want to do a three day water fast, you need to up your minerals and mm -hmm. you really need to start to bring in, bring, bringing minerals up. Um, now add into that for women because our hormones are doing this, you know, it's like they're coming and they're going and there's so much activity on a monthly basis. We are more susceptible to nutrient changes than a man. Mm -hmm. And so when the hair falls out, when the heart starts racing, those things we're going to be more susceptible to. And I just think women need to be upping their minerals and especially magnesium. It's a yes. calming mineral. The three minerals we see that go depleted in fasting are magnesium, potassium, and sodium. Mm -hmm. So taking a good mineral supplement will help. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I feel like this gets exacerbated for people who are doing carnivore or keto already, because those, you know, ways of eating, in my experience, you're peeing a lot more and you're losing a lot more minerals. Um, so that's, it's just like on top of it. So I wonder if maybe you run into people with kind of more of those mineral deficiency issues when they start trying to do a lot of fasting that come from like the keto or carnivore background. Yeah. I always say, think of fasting like a mirror. So it'll mirror to you your imbalances. Mm -hmm. And if you pair fasting with carnivore or you pair it with keto, um, you're right. You're not, you, that's even another layer of lack of minerals. Yeah. And they're easy to get in. Like we do, I don't know what you do for mineral supplements, but I've been experimenting with Rob Wolf's LMNT. Okay. So I've been trying that. We've got micro daily is another mineral supplement. Um, so I put it in my water and I just drink it all day long. And so okay. it's not, it's not that hard. I don't know if you've done micro daily. This is another one. I haven't one. tried those. Uh-uh. Yeah. No. Okay. That, this is another one. Um, I do a mineral supplement called, um, from body bio it's called Elite. And I just put a half a capful in my coffee in the morning. It makes huh. it a little salty, but I'm like, I needed something to put it in on a regular basis. It is the one nutrient we need to be adding in right yeah. now. I agree. It's because we're just, the stress makes our bodies lose even more. Yeah. I had, um, I don't know if you've yeah. heard of Morley Robbins, but I had him on, mm -hmm. um, he's the magnesium guy and oh, he just, okay. yeah, he was going on and on about how stress and all these things, uh, really deplete the body. And, yep. uh, I wanted to ask you with the mineral deficiency, what do you think is better? Or is, is there one that's better than the other? As far as testing some of those things out, would you recommend they get a blood test or how do you feel about hair mineral tests? Yeah. So we tried this in our, with our resetters, we tried all different kinds of tests and we found that there's no absolutely good one. So mm -hmm. the way I look at testing with everything is start with your symptoms. So mm -hmm. is your hair thinning? Is your hair falling out? Do you get heart palpitations when you even fast as little as intermittent fasting, um, those are pretty telltale signs. So um, the other one would be people trouble, having trouble sleeping. You need mm -hmm. magnesium to like calm your nervous system, calm the muscles down. So are you waking up with restless legs or are you having a trouble like getting your body to sleep? Those kind of things can be affected by minerals. Um, if that's still convoluted for you and you're like, I don't know, maybe, maybe not, then a test would be good. Mm. And hair analysis is good. The only challenge with a hair analysis is it only tells you what's coming out. Mm. It doesn't always tell you what's stored. And this, we test a lot of heavy metals in our clinic mm -hmm. and we see that lot there, it, the hair analysis are great and convenient and inexpensive, but it doesn't tell you what's going on in the stored tissues. 
And mm -hmm. I would say for mineral analysis, it's going to be very similar, gotcha. but if, but it gets you in the ballpark. So if you're feeling like you need a quick, easy test then that, yes, you never, you never can go wrong with something like that. Got it. Um, and I wanted to ask you about supplements before we head to the next topic. Um, I know you're a big proponent of liver detox and supporting the liver and taking care of the liver. Um, what do you think about some of these supplements? I know you said the LMMT and there are some other ones. Um, I'm so cautious about supplements and just liver health and all of that. You think that these are, are okay for, you know, liver and kidneys and all of those things? Yeah, super great question. So the first thing with all supplements, you should always vet your supplements, know where you're, where they're, what they, where they come from, how, what kind of tests have they done? There are toxins in like 95% of the supplements mm -hmm. out there. So um, if you don't know what the toxic load of your supplements are, email your supplement company that your favorite supplement and be like, how do you test for heavy metals? And how do you test for plastics? and ask them. So that would be the first thing be, um, that I would say. My favorite place to turn to for supplements is Revelation, Revelation Health. Okay. Um, and because they vetted all of them and they'll give you a discount. If you put my last name in, they'll give you a discount oh, of 10% off. Yeah. So when I want the lazy approach to supplements, I just go to Revelation Health because they've already vetted all those people. But then you get the people that are very focused on, this is my favorite supplement. I never want to give this supplement up. So just go and email them and ask them what they, and you're going to look for uh, key phrases. So one of the phrases I hear with people a lot, like when you ask them if they're organic, they say, well, we're mostly organic. We try to, do, we try to, to stick to the guidelines of certified organic. That's not, that means no, we're not no. organic. So if you email your supplement company and they're like, well, we do have a few protocols that test for heavy metals and plastics. No, you're looking for like, yes, we test for five different ways. And here are the ratios that we're looking for. You want to look for some, a very specific plan. So that's the first thing. Second thing I would say with supplements, and this is it's just like fasting. If you're on a supplement and you have to take it over and over and over mm. and over again, it is not working for you mm. anymore. So what happens with any diet change, fasting change, supplement change is we come to the, when we first hop on it, we get this hormetic response. The body goes, thank you. And it starts to bring you back into balance. We call this homeostasis. When you're back in balance, now you're in balance. There's nothing else to do. So if you keep taking it over and over and over again, you're just peeing it out mm. because the body isn't going to do anything once it's in back in balance. So I like supplement cycling where you take a supplement for 90 days and then get off of it for 90 days and then go back to it for 90 days and then get off of it. So toxicity matters. How often you use it matters as well. Awesome. Thank you for that. That's so helpful because I feel like we just have all these absolutes of like, never take supplements and all supplements are bad. But, you know, if you do have a case of mineral deficiency and you're having the leg cramps and the heart palpitations, and you, you likely do need to add something in, Agreed. but finding what is safe and, and least harmful to the body, I think can be a confusing task for people for sure. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah. yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. yeah. And you know, the, the goal is not, if you come into a natural form of taking care of yourself, the goal is not to bring the paradigm of more conventional allopathic medicine. In that paradigm, what we've been taught is I have a symptom, I'm given a diagnosis, and I'm giving a pill. One pill, one problem, one solution. But when you come over into a more what we call natural or vitalistic approach to your health, you have to understand you're a living being that needs to, that has ebbs and flows. And so you're not meant to be on a supplement all the time. You're meant mm -hmm. to, to kind of use it for as a tool for a while and then get off of it there. And um, I feel that way about diet. I feel that way about fasting is that there needs to be more ebbs and flows with it and not so hardcore do it this way. It's like, we do this with nutrition, right? Mm -hmm. I'm carnivore. I'm vegan. I fast. Like, let's get rid of the absolutes. 
and just realize that especially for women, we need to just go with our, our hormonal changes so that we can maximize the, the intelligence inside our body. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, I think we talked a little bit before the conversation started that you've had some experience. Now you've had Dr. Saladino into your resetter group and your start. I knew for a while you were not really a proponent of carnivore, but you're starting more and more to use it with your resetter group. I'd love to hear how that process has gone good and bad and just all the things. I'm so curious. (laughs) Okay. So yes, you're right. When I, and I was, I've been really transparent about this um, on YouTube is um, when I first heard carnivore, I was like, nope, it does (laughs) not make sense to me. Everything I've ever learned about the microbiome tells me you need plants to feed those bacteria. Then I had a conversation with Maria Emmerich. I don't know if you've brought her mm-hmm. on, but yeah. So she has all these amazing books that she's written. And she said one line to me that sent me down a path of research. And she said that collagen is the best prebiotic that you can get um, at, at ever. Like it is the absolute best prebiotic. And a prebiotic is what feeds the good bacteria. So I was like, okay, that's intriguing. So I started to research it, found out she's absolutely right. So then I was looking at, I got Paul Saladino's book, 600 amazing research studies showing the benefits of carnivore, and many of which are in autoimmune conditions, as Mm -hmm. you know. And so all these things started stacking up. So what I did is I went to my resetter community and I'm like, okay, guys, I'm open. Let's try what we call a fasting or autophagy fasting, which is 17 hours of fasting. And then when we break our fast, let's just do carnivore and let's do that for a week and let's see what happens. So I called it carnivore fasting. And I actually ran this past Paul. I was like, because my thought is what you're doing is that you're stimulating with the fast, you're stimulating autophagy, which cleans the cells out. And then with carnivore, you're stimulating mTOR, which grows the cells and makes them stronger. So my brain was like, let's put the two principles together and see what happens. Holy cow. Like people dropped weight like they'd never dropped weight before. Um, The joint pain in people Mm -hmm. that went away, the energy that people had, the people were finally able to get their blood sugar down to a level they'd never been able to get to. Um, autoimmune conditions like disappearing within a week, like nothing, this is not Mm -hmm. like, and this wasn't with just a few people that our community is over 400,000 strong, like story after story after story. And I just sat back and was like, oh my God, like there's something here. So then I decided, okay, let me do a stool test on myself. So I ate what I call ketobiotic, which is keto with a lot of plant-based foods. And I took a stool test and then I ate only carnivore. I did carnivore fasting for a week, took another stool test. That totally opened my eyes to something new. And what it was is that I actually had gliadinin uh, markers and um, other gluten markers in my stool a week after carnivore. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what, how could that be? I didn't eat any wheat for the whole week. And I started to see that carnivore is a detox. Mm-hmm. It is a way to, to repair the mucosal lining of the gut. And it can start to take stuff that has been on the outside, on the in, inner linings like gluten, gluten that you gave up gluten 10 years ago. Well, guess what? Your gut hasn't given it up. It's still be sitting in there inflaming the gut. So wow. when you go on the carnivore diet, you're now getting the carnivore, the collagen's really high in a, in a bacteria or it feeds a, a species of bacteria called our bacteroides. So it goes in there, it repopulates the bacteroides. And as that bacteroides gets repopulated, now all the junk that's on the side walls can now come out. And that's what happened to me after a week. Uh, wow. Maria Emmerich says oxalates and lectins from plant-based living for so long will also come out. Oh yeah. So <laughs> I love it. I've my my personal feeling now is it's a tool. Yes. If if you have gut dysbiosis, if you have an autoimmune condition, if you're stuck with your health in any way, shape, or form, throw some carnivore fasting in and use it as a tool. Um, and you can. I, I don't think there's a problem to doing it all the time, other than I'm a I'm a variation gal. So. Yeah. 
remember again, if you all of a sudden do something new, the first time you do it, you get an incredible change mm-hmm. and then you hit homeostasis. So mixing it up. I know Paul, I, I spoke to him this week and he's actually adding some more plants back mm-hmm. in and experimenting. So, yeah. so don't forget variation. Yeah. That was the next thing I was going to ask you about is because I've, I've kind of seen a lot of people do great, 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 great for a year or so. And then it's kind of like they hit a wall. Yep. Um, and some people are having histamine issues. It's like, did when the detox thing happened, their DAO also go out, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, right. There's so much, cause it's such a new thing. We just, there's so much about it that we don't know. And right. I know a lot of people that follow me have seen me going to go through so many ups and downs with carnivore. I've been totally transparent about it, but I'm getting to the point now where I'm studying microbiome and doing some uh, stool sample tests and just, I've run all the tests on myself, the hair, mineral, blood, stool. I'm just like open book. This is what yeah, we're doing. And of one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, That's, because that, everybody needs to be their own N of one, yes. like, like take the principles and, and test yourself so you can find your path. Yeah. And it's like you, then I try to give resources so you can do this on yourself and figure it out yourself, get a keto mojo, make sure you're testing to see what this does to your blood sugar. Cause so many people say, well, XYZ doesn't mess with your blood sugar. And it's like, well, if you're having a histamine reaction or, you know, some kind of allergic reaction to that food yep. in, in the way that you may not be as insulin sensitive as someone else. So it may affect you differently, but, um, yeah, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, and, and so I totally opened my eyes and, um, I haven't, the other part I'm still, I'm kind of mentally chewing on, um, is okay. Well, where would carnivore best fit in a woman's cycle? Yeah. So I have a couple of thoughts on that. The first part of the cycle, we've got to keep insulin down. So carnivore does a good job with that for most people. Mm -hmm. Um, the ovulation period, you have so much testosterone and, um, you know, meat can help feed testosterone, which is good. You can build muscle at this time. So Yep. Ovulation would be fine. What does it do in the progesterone phase? I'm not sure, but I do know grass-fed beef can promote progesterone, Mm. but I don't think in that phase you, I, well, I know you don't want your insulin or glucose to go too low. Mm -hmm. So if you are a carnivore woman and you're, you're listening to this, I would say experiment with like day 19 till you actually have your menstrual cycle, adding some plants in, don't give carnivore up, just maybe add some of the lower toxic plants in then. Yeah. It's, you know, I love that you talk about variation and how we actually really need it in our bodies. And I think it's just important for everyone to kind of keep that open mind because I do have a lot of women talk about how their cycle changes um, when they go carnivore or they start not having cycles. And I'm like, well, then you probably need to look at it. Cause that's not normal. You know, yeah. that's um, it's some sort of stress that your body is under. Um, what would you say if a woman does carnivore and all of a sudden her cycle shortens, like it's usually always, you know, 28, 29 days. And it all of a sudden goes down to like, you know, 22, 24 days. What, what would yeah. you say about that? I think the first step is again, know when your body needs progesterone mm-hmm. and add in either, you could either step out of carnivore or you could add in some of the lower toxic fruit, uh, vegetables around day 19 is like, mm-hmm. so day 19 until you actually bleed, just make sure you're getting your, um, more vegetables. Then some of the greatest vegetables for, and I ran this past Paul for, uh, progesterone is, uh, squashes and Mm. squashes tend to be a lower toxic, uh, vegetables. So your butternut, your honey nut, uh, we have a honey cut squash here locally that I love, uh, acorn spaghetti. So you could lean into more squashes then and, and work on building the, your progesterone levels up. The other thing is, if you're losing your cycle because of a diet change like carnivore, it could be your stress levels are really mm-hmm. high, like we were talking about. So it's just too much of another stressor. So do it day one through day 19, day 19 till you bleed, do whatever you want. Then day one, go back to carnivore. But honor that when you when you need to make progesterone, you have to keep cortisol down. So I yeah. would guess that person has probably already had a pretty stressed life or had some adrenal fatigue. And this was just the, it just created a a change in progesterone levels. 
Yeah, it's interesting to talk with other women, some in some of the women carnivore groups of that's when women have the hardest time sticking to carnivore. Right. Is the week yeah. before your cycle. And it's like, you got to kind of step back from that and say, if everyone is having trouble during this time, then perhaps we need to have a little variation or change in that. And for me, it was like, as long as I was going way, and I'm talking 90% fat, 10% protein, I mean like ridiculous, like <laughs> crazy high fat, then I'd be okay. I could stick to it. Um, but yeah. if I wasn't pushing the fat up that high, it's like, you're a mess and you have all these food cravings. And um, the thing that you've, I think you did a video recently talking about what food cravings uh, correlate to specific minerals and things that your body is, is really needing at that time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. If you, again, this is another thing that we don't talk about enough with women, which is that chocolate you crave, that carb you're craving right before your period. There's a biological reason for it. It's not because you're undisciplined. It's not because you're PMSing. I mean, you are PMSing, but let's, let's redefine that. It's because you're making progesterone. And in order to make progesterone, you need glucose to be fairly high. You need more carb-rich foods. And if you honor that, that you need to not be fasting as much. If you honor that, you'll start to, to see there's like a trend. I've been doing this um, throughout for like the last five years where I will like on day one of my cycle, I just go really rigid into my keto and my fasting. If I want to do carnivore strong, I do it then. And then as I get closer to that day 19, then I'm like, okay, time to nurture myself, time to eat more carbs. And if you do that over and over and over again, what happens is you get really in touch with what your body needs. Mm. So I'm, uh, I'm in, I'm, I'm in that middle menopausal phase where I'm like heading to the other side. Uh, some days I get at my cycle every 30 days. Sometimes it comes every 90. And there is one indicator that I know every single time my cycle is about to come and it's my hunger levels. Mm. I will hit nine, 10 o'clock in the morning. And I'll be like, why am I hungry? And then within like two or three days, all of a sudden I'll start to, I'll get my cycle. I'm like, yeah. Oh yeah. My body was making progesterone. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Women are like, I can't stop eating. Why is yeah. that? I'm like, yeah, your body's really, it's smart. And it's we so smart. If we're constantly trying to override the system, then we're going to see it shut down. You yeah. know, we're going to start to run into issues. And that's another yeah. thing. It's important to remember when we're doing these types of things. Um, I wanted to ask you, because I know I do have some viewers that are going to hear this conversation. I'm like, well, I'm already menopausal. You know, yeah. I do have a lot of menopause, some in my group right now that I'm running. Awesome. Um, so how does all of this, I know we've covered so many things, but how does all of this play into a woman who is already in menopause? Could, does she have a little bit more leeway or does she need to be more careful? Cause I know it's the, it's really the adrenals that are kind of doing all the jobs of the, what the ovaries were doing. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So with menopausal women, the first thing to realize is that when you hit your early forties, what's happening is your ovaries are like, okay, I'm going to slow down here and, but, and I'm not going to make as many sex hormones. So I'm going to start to hand that job over to your adrenal glands. Mm -hmm. So the stress you were able to get away with in your thirties, you can't get away with in your forties, right? I, me too. <laughs> no. uh, this is why, how I came to understand all this is I was like, oh my God, why am I not managing my stress? Why are all these <laughs> symptoms showing up? Like what is going on? But it was like, really like the ovaries were just like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to back out here gently. <laughs> I, it's going to take me 10 or 15 years to back out. So just, you have time to get ready. And so you, but we have to be aware of this. We don't talk about it. No, so, we don't. <laughs> no. So, so that's the first thing. So now if I'm 60 and I'm post or 55 and I'm postmenopausal and I still have menopausal symptoms, mm. my first question is, did you honor your adrenal glands through this process? And if you didn't, you might need to go back and give your adrenals some love. This is where mm -hmm. adrenal supplements would come in. This is where understanding things like meditation or, or even like biohacking different things. We have a, we have a biohacking center in my clinic. We do uh, PEMF and HBOT mm -hmm. and we like work to reestablish a woman's parasympathetic nervous system because if you didn't honor that, it comes back to bite you later. So that, mm -hmm. that would be the first thing is like, 
let's love on your adrenals. The second thing that's really cool for a postmenopausal woman is that you don't have to think of a 28 day cycle, but you do have to think about the fact that you, your estrogen is low and your progesterone is low and you're more insulin sensitive or mm. resistant than yes. ever. Yeah. So this kind of lifestyle is amazing for postmenopausal women. So just make sure that you're stepping out of carnivore. You could do it one day a week. You could do it a three to four day period a month. You get to choose the when you want to do it. And I am, I just, my book, The Menopause Reset is coming out in April. Oh, awesome. I have five steps that menopausal women can go through so that you can kind of troubleshoot and guide yourself. But the beautiful part for a postmenopausal woman is she doesn't have to time it to her cycle. But the, but the asterisk in that one is you, you have less estrogen and less progesterone than ever before. So you cannot fast and do carnivore like a man. You need to add in, step out and add in those squashes, stop fasting a little bit so you can raise that back up, your, those levels of hormones back up and then go back into mm. carnivore and fasting. Yeah, I think that's so helpful. And I feel like the overarching message with you is just, we need variants. We need to not try to do the same thing all the time. And that kind of goes across the board really, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And, I, and this is, you probably heard me say this on, on my YouTube channel is like, I know that's not what you want to hear. You want me to, <laughs> you want me to say your menopausal symptoms are bad. Here's the, what I call the magic mushroom. Take this and all your menopause symptoms will go away. That's not, the, that's not mm -hmm. the way our, our bodies were designed. We're designed for variation. So let's take, let's like put all these tools out and say, okay, supplementation is good. Carnivore is good. Fasting's good. Uh, plant-based living has some upsides too. So plant-based is good. Keto's good. All of these are good. Now, how do I know when, what tool to use when? And yeah. that's why like the work you're doing, things we do in our, on our fast training week, like we're trying to teach people how to become their own N of one, their own self-study and use the tools when they need it. And that way now you're like in perfect, you're lining up your lifestyle in perfect design of your body. Yeah. I think that's such an important message. And, you know, I was just, I just had a live stream with my group right before I came on here and a couple of the members were just that, you know, they were out, some of them were asking questions about different fats. And someone said, I just really love olive oil. Is that the worst thing in the world? And I, I said, no, it's not. <laughs> if you find yeah. a really good one, a good high quality one and vet it, yeah. I think it's probably okay. And yeah. a couple of them were like, I thought we would just had to do carnivore or this. And I'm like, you know, you guys, I would love to say, just do this exact thing. And here's your prescription and just do this. And it's going to work for you. But, um, I would be doing you guys a disservice and I want to keep encouraging people to find what works best for them. And if they Agreed. would rather have some olive oil than butter, if that works better for them, if they don't have reaction to it, like they do to butter or, they just feel better that way, then they have to continue to explore that. And then uh, yeah. we got deeper into a conversation of how, you know, we have this tribe mentality and, and, you know, we get so caught up into that when we're carnivore or vegan or keto, so it's like, and it's so dangerous because people stop paying attention to their bodies and their own natural signals of like, wait, I don't feel good. And this isn't working. And maybe I should you know, if we get so trapped into like a box and a prescription and a certain way of doing things, there's just such a great danger in that for everyone. Uh, yeah, agreed. Uh, a simple way to look at, I, 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 yeah, I, I want to just honor what you just said, because we need to hear that over and over and over again. And I know it's not the easy answer, mm -hmm. but it is the one that will set you free. And the way that I like to look at this is the most dangerous diet is the standard American diet. Mm -hmm. It is the diet that everybody's doing. So if you want the health everybody's having, just keep doing that. That is the most dangerous place to live. So then when you come to, let's use carnivore as an example, you come to carnivore and you're like, okay, I'm gonna, I like this. I'm going to make this mm -hmm. switch. Do it exactly how you're laying it out. Like do it in one style. Like that's your first step because you're moving from standard American to carnivore. Do that and get for several months and get used to it and understand it. Once you feel like you have a groove with it, now you're going to have to make another move. 
And the reason for that is because you're going to get stuck. Homeostasis is going to take over. The body's not adapting as well. You need some hormetic stress. So now you can go into what I call a tricked out version of carnivore, right? Or, or keto or fasting. In this tricked out version, yes, think, look at olive oil, no olive oil, fat, you know, what fats, like you can get more stuck in the details there. But I find what happens to a lot of people is they come from standard American diet to fasting or keto or, or carnivore. And they get so caught in the details that it gets overwhelming. And mm -hmm. then they end up back in standard American yes. diets. We don't want you there. We're trying, no. like the work you and I are doing, we're trying to pull people out of that. So just start with something and get a groove with it. Once you got your feet firm on the ground and your groove is in place, now we can get into the nuances, mm -hmm. but don't beat yourself up because you missed a few steps. You should like love on yourself for the fact that you'd left the standard American diet alone and, and, and behind. Yeah, I agree. And there's so much of in carnivore of like fear of different kinds of foods and plants. And it's just the more and more I'm in the space, the more I'm like, there's so much nuance in that, you know, yes. not, not everyone has a problem with oxalates. And then I've, you know, been studying about how oxalates are an issue with the microbiome, not being able to, you know, process those, get rid of those properly. And so not everyone's going to have those same problems, but we get so caught up in like, it has to be this way. And then it turns yep. people off from wanting to, to change. And they're like, well, yep. I might as well just go get my McDonald's and uh, do what's comfortable because this is too hard, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and that's, I was just saying this to my group this weekend. I'm like, you guys have come from standard American diet and you're here. It's like chess. Okay. Where are you going to go now? You've been doing fasting a long time. You've been doing keto a long time. Where are you going to go? So if you get <laughs> frustrated, the only place to go is you're going back to your old ways. Do you want to feel the way you used to feel? Like, no. Okay. So now we've got to come over here and understand the art of variation. Yes. And that is where it gets to me really fun. Like yeah. it's fun. It's freeing. You get to know your body more. You can, it'll take you years to like play with all the different pieces, but be light about it. Be loving about it because you are not going back to standard American. And mm -hmm. that's what, that's like the stake in the ground that needs to be made. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. Um, well, I feel like I could continue to talk to you for like three more hours, I um, but I know my audience would probably appreciate <laughs> a break. They <laughs> like need we, to get up and yeah. move around. <laughs> yeah. Get up, move around a little bit, take it all in. Yeah. Um, right. For sure. If, if people want to join your resetter community or find out how to follow you, work with you, what would be the best way to do that? Yeah. So go to YouTube channel, subscribe. Um, we do monthly fasts. They're free. Check our community page. Uh, and we do a five-day fasting experience every month. I theme, theme them differently. So there's a lot to learn over there. Um, if you want to come and have a little more guidance around building a fasting lifestyle, we do that in our Reset Academy. And you can find that on my webpage. And then my book, The Menopause Reset, will be out in April. And it's my menopausal journey and like what I did to move through the symptoms of perimenopause mm -hmm. to regulate my cycle better. And I go through five steps, that uh, lifestyle steps um, that women need to incorporate. So you can pre-order that as well. Awesome. I know so many people are going to be interested in that. So thank you yeah. so much. This has oh, been my so pleasure. cool. <laughs> uh, no, my pleasure. I thank you for, I love having this conversation. Yeah. It, it needs to be had. And, you know, as women we're built around oxytocin and we're mm -hmm. built around community. And um, I just think we need to bring this to the surface finally before yes. women give up on their health. So thank I you agree. for what you're doing. Thank you. Yeah.